Hi, everyone, and welcome to Procure Pulse, the third-party services podcast that provides you with current trends, best practices, and the latest supply chain news to help you stay informed. I'm Mickey Meehan, your host today. I invite you to email us with questions at info@conductive.com or connect with us on LinkedIn by following Conductive or on Twitter at Conductive Inc. Thanks so much for joining us today. Let's get started. Hey, listeners. After a little hiatus, Procurement Pulse is back. Conductive has had a lot of exciting things going on. Um, I've taken over as group vice president of the organization. We published a book, Significant Figures, and we finished a successful trade show circuit this summer and saw a lot of you. Most recently, uh, Megan and I were part of a lunch and learn session at, at IDN uh, to discuss factors that uh, affect purchase services success. And so we wanted to bring Megan back today, our senior director of strategic sourcing, to, to dive a little deeper into some of those factors and some of the trends we heard from uh, audience members while we were at IDN as well. So uh, I'd like to introduce Megan Scholl. Megan, it'd be great if you just gave the audience a little bit of a background of, of where you've worked and, and kind of how you ended up here at Conductive and, and your journey in purchase services. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here with you guys and share a little bit about kind of where I've come from and what I've seen in the industry. Um, I have been doing purchase services for about 12 or 13 years, so maybe before it was cool or people were really into it. Um, I manage a team here at Conductive of sourcing managers who are dedicated to our members, so looking at opportunities within um, IDNs and hospitals across the country. Um, prior to being with Conductive and, and Premier, I was with a nameless GPO. Um, so I have had both that GPO and purchase service hat for quite some time. That's awesome. Yeah, and I know, um, you know, you've been embedded in health systems before. You, you know, right now you help health systems with sourcing and purchase services. So um, you kind of have really good, uh, diverse set of experience um, that I think our listeners can really learn a lot from. You know, I think, you know, as we were at IDN, we, we talked to a lot of industry experts and supply chain leaders and, you know, all had varying levels of sourcing sophistication. From your perspective, what were some of the biggest pain points that experts, leaders shared at IDN that, you know, really, where's the biggest pain points that they're having right now um, within this last year? Yeah, definitely. There's kind of two things that I think always pop out to me when I'm talking with hospitals and IDNs um, more than anything else. Really, the biggest one is that they're not able to easily access their contracts and their data related to purchase services. It's not as simple as when you're looking at med search type items and you can pull a report showing a listing of everything you bought and the individual prices you paid for each item. It's much more complicated. And often the pricing is not clear when you look at an invoice. Perhaps you're paying a flat a monthly rate or you're paying some sort of rate that's um, loaded with a um, upcharge or something else. So it can be really difficult to understand what you're looking at in terms of data. And for the contracts piece, they're often not centralized. So maybe they collected the contracts and um, put together uh, some sort of repository for them. Oftentimes I find they're still just not all there. Many of the contracts are still in people's desk drawers. Um, amendments are not kept with the contract if the contract was filed. 
even even if they do do a great job of putting them all together, they don't have the ability to easily look at the contract and have a process set up to determine what to do with them. Um, oftentimes, I know when I was an embedded resource, we would be looking at something 30 or 60 days before expiration, which really doesn't leave um, time to do anything besides extend it or maybe try to ask for a pricing decrease quickly if, if you know you really need to do that. But it just doesn't allow you to proactively look at a contract um, and consider whether or not an RFP or taking something out to market is the best strategy. So coming up with a plan to look at those contracts and that data farther in advance I think is a big piece to having that visibility. The second thing that I kind of hear a lot is the lack of benchmarking. So even if you've got all your ducks in a row and you can see what you're spending and you've, you've figured all that out and you've dug into it, um, you don't know if that price is any good. You don't know how it compares to anything except maybe the last year of your contract, the last time you renewed. Maybe you have visibility to like one of your neighboring hospitals prices, but you really don't know um, compared to market, how your pricing is doing and whether or not the supplier is giving you the best pricing or the most appropriate pricing for the services that you're getting. Um, when I tell people about our benchmarking capabilities and our precision benchmarking reports, um, they're often really excited and kind of floored that that's even available in the purchase service space. I know when I joined this team, it was really exciting to me because I had probably spent about eight years sourcing for purchase services without any benchmarking. And it's really uh, flying in the dark and kind of by the seat of your pants to figure out if you should push or not push. Um, and you often end up RFPing way more than you should need to because you just don't know what the market has. And so you're trying to compare via RFP rather than doing something as simple as a benchmark that you can get done in a couple weeks and know what you should do with your project. So I think really having access to something like the conductive benchmarking to review those purchase services can be um, huge to overcoming that barrier. I absolutely agree uh, in, in everything you just said. Um, I, I would say one thing I'd, I'd love to dive into just a little deeper um, you mentioned the the benchmarking in services, and and I you know people people know benchmarking from from widgets. They're able to easily you know benchmark those prices against their their peers in the market. But can you talk a little bit about the complexity of of doing benchmarks in services, and and you know why people aren't even aware that it's available? Yeah, absolutely. I think that one of the hard parts of benchmarking and services as people think you can just say, for example, in EVS, well, how much am I paying for a cleaning person per hour? You could certainly do that, but it's it's not a widget to your point, and that that really isn't going to provide you the benchmark that you need. Um, what we do is take a look at the bigger picture. So, how many staff do you have locked in to certain areas of the facility that are providing dedicated services? Um, what kind of white glove services do you have? Are they doing something different, maybe in your labor and delivery, than they're doing in other areas? Taking a look at the exact services that are being performed in addition to the price that you're getting on an invoice, lets us look better at, at whether or not that pricing is accurate. If you're expecting a lot of white glove service or need a lot of white glove service and have a lot of dedicated locked in resources, you're probably gonna be paying a little bit higher price and the price that you're paying may be justified. 
rather than some um, benchmarking tools that'll literally just say, we see in the market, you know, 12 to $15 an hour for this type of person. If you're paying more than that, it's too much. That's not really going to tell you what you're doing. You have to get to that granular level of how you're utilizing those services within your facility. Um, so one of the things that we'll do when we do benchmarking is not only do we ask for the contracts and the data reports, but we're going to ask you some of those uniquenesses of that particular service to make sure that we're capturing all that when we kind of benchmark and tell you what we think the pricing should be. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, and and I think, you know, it's it's still something that's on the rise. I mean, we we obviously have have been doing benchmarks like these for a long time, but we're ever increasing the number that we have available you know, to, to fill the kind of expansive purchase service area. Um, and, and, you know, innovation in the space is, is really fun right now since hospitals have a lot of, uh, a lot of focus on purchase services. Um, kind of moving on, one of the, one of the things that I thought was really cool from our session was using Slido for the live polling. I thought it was just a lot of fun to kind of see the, the responses come in in real time. And, and I think everybody encouraged each other to, to respond and then see, see everything up on the screen. But, you know, from that, you know, what were the some of the focus areas for developing um, their their sourcing strategies and their their purchase service programs deeper um, that you heard from the audience? Yeah, I loved the Slido tool as well. I think it really gave the audience the ability to participate and feel like they were part of what we were talking about. Through the question and answer and kind of, you know, in addition to the Slidos, I really felt like um, supplier performance management stakeholder credibility, and then technology kind of stood out as the three areas that they seemed um, the most excited about or the most interested in developing. Um, they discussed needing to develop trackable KPIs. So while some of them may have KPIs in their contracts, they didn't necessarily have things that were measurable or could hold the supplier accountable. So having those sort of penalties or sometimes incentives in place to keep the suppliers engaged was something they spoke a lot about. I think another kind of barrier or challenge they talked about in developing that is even if they did have KPIs, they didn't have a central location to check on and track and measure the KPIs. Um, so they were excited about the possibility of developing something along those lines, um, either through partnership with Conductive or looking at it on their own, how they might track those better. Because once you've written them, that's great, but how are you tracking those and making sure that they're happening? They really um, kind of wanted to focus on that and, and develop it as they became more advanced. I think those that are farther along the path are looking at the way to track it, and those that are early on are just trying to get the KPIs even in there so they can manage what's going on and hold those suppliers accountable. Um, the group also discussed kind of having difficulties engaging stakeholders in other departments. I heard a lot of kind of dialogue in this in the Q&A afterwards. The forming relationships with HR and with IT and with finance um, were hard, but they really are critical in having success in purchase services because a lot of your contracts do live in those other spaces. They don't necessarily live in the centralized, you know, supply chain space. So partnering with those groups and figuring out how to have success there, I think is something that, that folks really want to focus on over the next couple of years. Um, I do know one kind of little fun idea that I offered the group to get this moving is I've found with ours that sometimes picking something they don't care so much about 
um, and kind of letting them let you run with that. So say, you know, hey, for example, in the like finance space, can I look at your bad debt agreements? Like bad debts, it's important to them. They're collecting on it, but it's not a big um, service satisfier. Like they can tell really easily whether or not they're doing it. They don't necessarily care as much about the relationships. Offering something category like that, like let me just take this one little tiny piece of all your collections and just look at bad debt for you, see what we can find and kind of build your credibility that way. Um, so that when you're done and they're really happy with the project, they want to engage you and do more with you. I love that. I love that. And I think I mean, one of the things though that that stands out from from what you just said there is that people are are really important. Um, you know, because there's there's a lot of interfacing between different groups and and you know building relationships. So like, what kinds of staff and skill sets are are necessary to to really make a program and purchase services successful in your mind? I completely agree with you. I think relationship is one of the key pieces of sourcing. I view uh, our role as you know sourcing managers with a conductive team as relationship builders. You have to be building strong relationships with your suppliers and with your stakeholders and developing partnerships. You, the old ways of going in and hard negotiating the pennies out of your suppliers doesn't work with purchase services. You're relying on these people for something more than just providing you a widget. Their staff are coming into their facilities, they're face-to-facing with you, and having a good, strong relationship and partnership with them, I think is key. So as you're negotiating contract terms, coming to the table with all of the background information on the category, so looking at your benchmarking, looking at your contract, kind of knowing the market overview in general, and saying to them, this is what I'm seeing, and this is what I think our pricing should be based on that, is going to get you so much further along the line with the suppliers. Um, And laying out those clear KPIs so that they feel like, they're involved and engaged, but they're not, um, you know, I'm trying to, they're not involved and engaged, but they're not being pushed into something they can't achieve. If you're wanting, I don't maybe a 99% on time rate for a service and they're saying to you, well, we could give a 97 and then agree to a penalty afterwards, talk through that. Maybe you don't need to be hardline on that. And 97% of the time, when you look at the 300 times are coming there in the year is a really great rate. So I think really taking into account and working together to develop what those KPIs are going to be um, and what that partnership is going to look like is huge. You have to have the partnership from your stakeholders that are using the services and from your suppliers. That's, I love the word partner. I think, you know, one thing that came from the pandemic is that health systems and suppliers really need to partner and support each other to make sure that that both are able to grow and support their uh, their support their organizations and and ultimately deliver amazing care um, to patients and that you know neither side can can make that happen with without each other um, and so I, I do think that there needs to be a much more successful um, uh, or, or a much greater goal of focusing on those partnerships, especially with your key strategic suppliers, um, and 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 make sure that that you're really really tight. Um, another interesting thing you you said there, you know, is focusing on the relationship building piece, and that means the relationship between, you know, the the sourcing uh, staff member and the stakeholder. So, 
how involved do stakeholders need to be in the sourcing process versus the supply chain team? And, and how do you how do you think organizations can be successful there? So I think that a, a common misstep of, of organizations that are still kind of in that legacy developing phase is to not include their stakeholders early on. Um, it's really absolutely critical that stakeholders are included um, at the beginning and throughout the sourcing process. They need to be engaged at the project kickoff so they can help you define what's in scope, what's out of scope, if there are certain services um, that are that white glove level that need to be included. They provide all that key information on the day-to-day -day operations of the organization that the supply chain team may just not have visibility to or may not know exactly what questions to ask because supply chain cannot be an expert in every category. You know, they work so many different categories and purchaser services, they really need to lean on those stakeholders to be their subject matter experts. The stakeholders should be helping weigh in on the RFP questions, um, add to them, tweak them, and also have a say in the final vendor selection. Each IDN or hospital is going to do that final vendor selection different. You know, if you do like weighted scorecards, they should certainly be included in the scoring process. Um, if it's more casual discussion, um, be a, a participant in the room so that they can provide their uh, concerns and feedback on the different presentations. Really, without the stakeholder involvement, you could make supply chain could make a decision and adoption could simply never happen. Uh, if they're not fully on board and fully understand what's going on, people will go rogue and contract without you or just not stop buying from the person that you told them to. You really have to kind of make sure that they understand and embrace any decisions that are made and feel like they were a part of the process. Yeah, that's that's great advice. I mean, I think, you know, there's there's a lot of um you know, being a politician involved in in working in the supply yes. chain department, just in the fact that you you really got to bring people together, um, you know, which is which is not easy. Um, but when you kind of mash the the idea of bringing uh, the stakeholder together with uh, the sourcing team, and then you you bring in the partnership related to suppliers, like how does sourcing impact supplier performance ultimately at the end of the day? So it hugely impacts it. When you're laying out that agreement up front and you go through the RFP, um, I really recommend including the key performance indicators you're looking for in the RFP. Flat out ask for them up front, tell them what you're expecting for them to achieve, certainly be open to feedback from those suppliers, um, what they might tweak or do differently. But have those KPIs and the fact that you're expecting a certain level of expectation set up in the RFP process. And then when you write that agreement, you're going to write the contract to include all those metrics to hold them accountable to that high standard of excellence that you asked for in the RFP. A lot of times I see a really great RFP done by supply chain and not all of those terms carry over into the RFP. So taking the time or the contract. So taking the time to make sure that everything has carried over into the contract is critical to success. You have to make sure that you have either penalties or a incentives assigned to each of those indicators to incentivize them to maintain that quality level throughout the three, five, ten years that you sign the agreement for. So really look at how you want to structure the deal. Is it if they don't meet the metric of showing up on time, 97% of the time there's a invoice credit of a certain amount, 
Or do you look at it the other way? I've seen a lot of interesting incentives now where it's if they achieve the 97% or greater than the member or the um, IDN or hospital will give some sort of incentive back to them, maybe increased uh, hours used or increased um, service needs, um, even pay a slightly higher rate if they're receiving those HCAP scores that they want. So get creative about how you hold them accountable. It can be a penalty or an incentive, but make sure that you are including those in the contract itself so that you have um, that to hold them as accountable. And when those aren't achieved, you have clear outline um, for breach, you know, if for some reason you do need that. Love it. Love it. Now, the one thing I think, you know, and this is probably leads us to our, our last question here is, um, you know, you're talking about tracking supplier performance and penalties. You're talking about a lot of collaboration between stakeholders and sourcing. You know, what's what's the opportunity for tech enablement in purchase service sourcing success in, in 2023? I think tech enablement is going to be huge. I love tech and purchase services. I've kind of always been like, how can we automate things to make our jobs easier. It's not about replacing all of us in supply chain and sourcing, but really about how can we make our jobs easier. And a lot of the tools that Conductive has developed and that I see in the marketplace around tracking your KPIs, so creating that one-stop shop where you can load KPIs or find KPIs to be able to develop that with suppliers is huge. Looking at supplier diversity has exploded over the last couple of years. But how do you know that a supplier is qualified in those diverse areas? Another place where technology can help you out, you know, having a supplier diversity module where you can log in and look at different suppliers. Maybe you're trying to focus on um, laundry and you want to see which vendors might fit that diversity piece for you. Also, you can get in and search around for those things or just tracking what you're even doing in diversity. How many diverse suppliers am I even utilizing? Um, I think technology is going to be the only way we kind of survive this purchase service explosion. Um, there's so many different contracts and so much money spent in purchase services that I don't think that the sourcing folks that we have in supply chain can possibly manage it all by themselves. We're going to have to employ good technology to empower people to track those items and to get the information they need to make those great partnerships with suppliers. Totally agree. And I mean, I think, you know, obviously we at Conductive are extremely passionate about figuring out how to to help make that happen and how to really be on the the forefront um, from the from the automation of purchase service sourcing standpoint. Um, Megan, thanks so much for for coming on today and, and chatting. It was great to hear about your experience at IDN and it sounds like it was a great experience. Um, I know you and the, the the team have some exciting things in the works for the next year, so hopefully uh, you won't mind joining us again at, at some point on here uh, to share those insights with everybody else. Yeah, I'd be happy to. We definitely have some cool projects going on that that would be great to share. Awesome. I'd, I'd also like to thank our listeners. If you missed us at IDN or at ARM this summer, please always, you know, you can always reach out via our website. Uh, get in touch with someone to to check out some of that sourcing automation technology uh, and analytics and and some more of our capabilities here at Conductive and how we can help your organization in purchase service sourcing. Thanks, everyone. And we look forward to to seeing you back here at the next Procure Pulse coming up soon.